The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to Just End the Show, where it never gets any easier. The Jets lose to the New England Patriots 54-13. to I don't think anyone is surprised by the loss, but maybe a little bit surprised by the score. Did you watch the whole game, Seth? You, you, you have to let me know. Did you, did you watch the entire game? No, I shut it off, I would say, early second quarter. When, it was, when the Patriots went up 17 nothing. I think I was like, I got other games to watch. I'm done with this. I was working, so I recorded it. And I came home like all excited. I was like, "All right, I'll watch it." And then, yeah, I made it through all. I made it through the third quarter, and then I was like, "Yeah, I can't." I've watched every snap of Jets football this year, and then I was like, "I can't. This is this is too much. Too this is too much pain." By the transitive property, the Jets are the best team in the AFC, right? That's that's because, right. Because Tennessee beat works. Buffalo and Kansas City, and <laughs> we beat Tennessee. So, like ipso facto, at one and six, we are the top dog. We're we're the just like how they beat the Rams and uh, the Browns last year, who were playoff teams. So you know, I mean, nobody wants this heat in the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Have we? Should we introduce Johnny formally as like our in-house Patriots analyst? Yeah, I, w- I was getting to that. We've we've got <laughs> to just end the show. The just end the show in-house Patriots analyst Johnny Christopherson on this episode. Johnny officially. Welcome to the program. It's good to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. It, uh, it feels good to, to have another win under our belt. How are you doing? How are we doing? <laughs> yeah, if you got to play the Jets 16 times a year. What is it, 12 in a row, I think, for uh, for us for uh, against the Jets? It's been since... Was there a weird overtime game? Because I know they haven't won in Foxborough since like 2010 or something like that. So it's been like a really long time. Yeah, I've lost count at this point. I'm not even sure how many <laughs> in a row this is. Don't worry, I just looked. It's 12. It's 12? Okay. Second longest winning streak in team history. Wow. It was naive of me to think this game was going to go any differently or any better than the first time we played the Patriots. Now, what was the spread on, on the Jets? The spread going into this game was single digits, right? It was like seven. Like It really like wasn't that ridiculous. I mean, I will, I will say, granted, you did have uh, Zach Wilson get hurt. So I, I will give you that, but it still didn't look good. We're back here at the bottom, baby. Nowhere to go but up. <laughs> And we were we're here at the bottom, and meanwhile, all these teams that were hanging out with us at the bottom, they're all like graduating, like like we're like seven years in college, and there it's like bye Bengals, bye Bills, we'll miss you. Yeah, right. The Browns are good now. The Browns are we the worst team of this decade? Because like you said, even like the Giants had some bright spots at the end of Eli's career. The Browns are doing some stuff now. The Bengals are doing some stuff now. I would argue that the Lions are probably still the worst team in the decade. But I think even the Lions had like one year where they were like feisty. So, uh, yeah, that I mean, that's that's tough. It might be us. What teams in the league right now do you think are worse than the Jets? The Lions. Lions. Houston, maybe? I got to be honest. I think Houston is the only team underneath us. I think I would take Jacksonville at this point. And I would take the – having watched like most Lions games this year, I would take the Lions over us. The Lions are in every single game. They like – that Rams game last week was weirdly close, right? They should have beat the Ravens. What do you think the line would be on a on a, a Jets Lions game right now? I would think the Lions would be favored. I'm saying like, yeah, I think the Jets are getting points in that game, right? That's that that's Lions minus two and a half all day, right? Yeah, some something like that. Which is that's that's we don't play Detroit this year, do we? <laughs> they play the Bengals next week. Ugh, we'll get to that. Oh boy. That's got to be double digits, right? I mean, the Bengals are like a thing now. It seems like it. Uh, I was I was looking while you guys were uh, talking, and the Lions had a few uh, good records in the last few years. They had two nine and seven seasons and an eleven and five season. So, I think the Jets might be a little worse over the last ten years. Yeah. Oh man, if that's the case, it's definitely us. Because even like the Deshaun Watson Texans made the playoffs, right? They made the playoffs. Yeah. Didn't they win a playoff game like a couple of years? Didn't they beat the Bills like? Two years ago or something like that? Am I making that up? No, I think that happened. Yeah, that was like a surprise Bills loss. So they won a playoff game a couple of years ago. That's uh, 
that 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 has not happened with the Jets as far as I can remember. <laughs> Turns out, by the way, Seth, you were right about the in the first uh, intro podcast about. Uh, the Jets maybe should have picked up like a Gardner Minshew or somebody. So instead of whatever they did, they have to give up something to to sign Flacco. They gave up a conditional sixth round draft pick to the Eagles to acquire Joe Flacco, which means depending on Flacco's playing time, it could, actually could turn into a fifth round pick. Now the Jets have said that Mike White is going to start, but Joe does give us another body. Should Mike White have to go back into witness protection or something? We found out that Mike White is a real person, so that was one. That was the only positive takeaway from that game is that it, he is a, he is real. We saw him. Johnny might not know, but we were not sure if Mike White was a real person because I don't know. It just sort of sounds like a fake name, and he had like no real established. Uh... We were skeptical whether he was real or not. <laughs> I mean, we only saw him in the game with a helmet on, so I mean, yeah. he could still be somebody else. Maybe he, if he takes the helmet off, his head goes with it. It's just. <laughs> it's Sam Darnold co- trying to come back, being like, "Wait, we're good. We're, you guys can be better with me." Carolina benched me. I'm I'm available. I want to come back. <laughs> That's the only Jets positive takeaway from this week, right? Was like, well, at least we know Sam Darnold's not. He's not punching his ticket to Canton. He he's getting benched in a Giants game. So I mean, you know, hey, there's something. He looked good the first three weeks. He looked good when Christian McCaffrey was on the team. <laughs> That's That's my hot take. <laughs> When the announcers talk about Sam, they say things like, uh, you know, when Sam Darnold has a good offensive line, a good running game, and good receivers, and has time to throw the football, he looks really good. And I was like, you, you've just described <laughs> any quarterback good. who's yeah. ever played. They traded a second-round pick for that dude. Like, that, the Jets won that trade, it seems like. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, look, they're obviously a worse team than Carolina, but I'll take a, uh, a second-round pick for him. Kevin, what would you say the under-over on uh, games is before we see Joe Flacco playing quarterback for the Jets again? Uh, So he is definitely starting against Cincinnati? So the Jets announced that Mike White was starting next week in the post-game coaches interview, but that was before the Joe Flacco trade was announced. So I guess there's no guarantee it won't be Flacco, but from everything I've gathered uh, from my sort of uh, Twitter news aggregating today, they are sticking with Mike White as the starter. Really? Huh. Um, uh, I would set it at one and a half. <laughs> I'd be I'd be really surprised if 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 Mike White is starting more than one game. I don't know why would they even start him in this game. I'm sorry. We, I mean Flacco Flacco's like bad, but he he was a, he started with the team last year. Like I mean I don't know, and he's. Um, you know, he's Joe Flacco. He has some experience in some ways. I mean, he's going to be bad, but I don't know. I honestly, like, I would put him in against Cincinnati. I mean, this is a this is a Cincinnati team that's really good. They proved themselves over the past two weeks, definitely this past week. And uh, I think with Flacco in, I think the team could potentially move the ball a little bit. As I mean, uh, compared to Mike White, who's just going to be checking down every every down. I I don't I don't. Yeah, and we could do the Bengals segment now. We could do this episode backwards because how much is there really to talk about after a 54-13 drubbing by the Patriots? But, yeah, like you said, I mean, Jamar Chase looks absolutely unstoppable since he's been reunited with Joe Burrow, right? Um, who's who's covering Jamar Chase? Like, who do we have on this team in the secondary that's going to run with this guy? This guy, he might he might have five touchdowns in this game. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh... Like I think I've said in the past few weeks here on that uh, a lot of the secondary, a lot of the games, even the games that they lost, um, the secondary on the Jets hasn't been hadn't been torched nearly as much as the linebackers. And yeah, this might be it. This might be the this might be the week where you just have Burrow going back and just just we're gonna yeah who's who's to, is I mean literally Javelin Gidry. I mean who's who's running with this dude? The Jets' best shot is probably to break Joe Burrow. He seems. Like, fairly fragile. They have, on depending on the week, uh, an existing pass rush. Sometimes it shows up, sometimes it doesn't. If the pass rush shows up, maybe they break Joe Burrow in the first quarter, and we've got ourselves a, a ball game here. We've got ourselves a, you know, Mike White game manager extraordinaire W. <laughs> Who knows? The, you said the pass rush shows up. I mean, it hasn't shown up in the past two weeks here. We really haven't gotten anything from Franklin Myers since he signed that contract. Bryce Hall is a no-show suddenly. That that game against Tennessee, they sacked Tannehill seven times. Like, you know, that was a weird game in general. And just 
Tennessee not having the receivers in there, but man, just I, I don't I don't get how they can be this ineffective at coming off of performance like that. And, uh, you know, all of the positive takeaways we had, even in the losses just didn't show up in this game at all. There was the, the, the defense can't do anything. They can't stop. I mean, they couldn't stop the Patriots even, even a little bit. I don't like Michael Flores game plan at all, which seems like a very Adam Gase esque of just, uh, just not making adjustments and just running like sort of telegraphing these terrible run plays and and uh, you know the Wilson injury injury is one thing but they, they just they just had no life in them at all the entire game it seemed like yeah they run these weird stretch run plays where it's like the handoff takes like at least thirty seconds or like we're gonna go this way yeah. and you feel you almost feel like you're watching the game in slow motion and it's like oh yeah they got him behind the line because you gave them thirty seconds to react to what was happening like yeah dude. You know, put the ball in his hands or don't, but you don't draw it out. They run some weird run plays. That fourth and one was like, just what? What on earth is that play call? I and uh, I actually heard. I think it was one of the post game shows or somebody saying like, even the touchdown they scored where uh, Mike White threw to. Uh, I think it was to Crowder in the end zone. Like that, that should have been picked. Like that was a horrible play. <laughs> he should have either been sacked or picked. Like that, that was awful. Like the fact that the fact that he made that catch was incredible. But like, what is that fucking play call? Like, what are they doing? I, they get the ball on the three yard line and they like lose three yards, and then that's the play. Like it. Oh my god. I think that was Corey Davis, and that play, like you said, that was wild. Because if you go back and watch it, it's like Mike White, right? He snaps the ball and then he starts rolling out to his left. No one's chasing him. It's like there's there's nobody near him. He just snaps the ball and just started like he did like a spin move and rolled. Yeah. That, and it was like that would look cool if there was like a defender chasing you. But it was like you could have just stood there, man. Like you could have just you had a clean pocket. So that was weird right off the bat that he was like pre scrambling and trying to like pre extend a play that didn't need to be extended. And then like you said, he throws it to Corey Davis between two Patriots. Corey ends up making like a great jump and catch. But like yeah, that should have been intercepted. There was a guy who was left. There was a guy yeah. who was right. The Patriots were probably just, like, surprised he threw it. He's not open. They wanted to boost his ego a little bit. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think that's how he got one by him. When these games, when they lose to the, the Patriots by these kinds of margins, which we're kind of used to, I think what we're really getting is, like, Bill Belichick revenge games. Yeah. Because if you notice, the Patriots were up by about 30 at halftime, <laughs> and Belichick came out in the third quarter, and he's throwing the football. So th- this was definitely like, a, I'm, I'm going to keep my foot down on this team's neck and I'm just not letting up. So in defense of, of a little bit of that is the fourth quarter though, the Jets were still blitzing for no reason whatsoever. So I mean what do you expect them to do? They're gonna throw it if you're gonna keep on blitzing and they're gonna just keep on torturing you more then at that point. Yeah, and they have no they have no ability to defend against screen passes at all. And like obviously it hurts that CJ Mosley is out because he's like the only linebacker on the team who can make any kind of play. But like yeah, they're it's just for the second week in a row. I I thought the defensive scheme from the Jets was horrible. Like they've just, I mean, you can just you any like any but you us three could get up there and run it and run a screen pass, and I'm pretty sure that you could gain like a five yards on the Jets. Like it's ridiculous. Like they can't they can't stop anybody. So like I I don't know. I thought like once again, just like the Falcons game, it was like yeah they 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 this this kind of zone blitzes and these soft zone seems get I don't get it at all and like. I didn't get any kind of like cool Robert Sala energy from these past two games. Like I think we got in the first few, uh, even even in the losses the Jets had. Like I thought that we were like, oh well, you know, he's actually coaching up the defense and they're 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 kind of playing above their level, you know. And now Jamie and Sherwood, I guess, is injured, so I have no idea who's playing linebacker against the Bengals. Do you have any idea, Seth? I know Blake Cashman came back last week. I don't know if Mosley's coming back. I don't know when Jared Davis comes back, so they might have some of the, you know, some of the projected starters back. Funny enough, now that we're missing Sherwood, they are missing like half the defense to to injuries at this point. If you include if you included Mosley last week, I mean, I kind of agree with Johnny. The whole end of the game didn't need to go that way too. They didn't need to sort of try to keep putting pressure on it after you're already getting your ass totally kicked. Like you think you would just go into some kind of a prevent defense type model. I mean to the best of their abilities, which, again, the secondary is also not great. But Yeah, you think it would be almost like an unwritten agreement. The Patriots are like, hey, we're going to run the ball here, and the Jets are like, all right, we're going to defend the run. You know, we're not going to pass blitz you kind of, and, like, the clock will eventually expire because <laughs> time inevitably marches on, and we could both get the hell out of here. Yeah. 
right? I, you, you think, like, that's the kind of thing that happens in these blowout games, and it was just, like, uh, Bill comes out throwing. Sala is just salty. He stays mad, so he keeps <laughs> blitzing. Yeah. Uh, Bill, like Johnny said, uh, Belichick, I guess maybe they forced his hand a little that he has to keep hitting these big plays. He has to keep hitting these big screens. If the Jets are going to keep blitzing, he's going to keep throwing screen passes. Well, and also keep in mind that he's, uh, he's a rookie quarterback, so he's, you know, he's going to try to protect his quarterback anyway. So if you're going to blitz, he's going to have to throw it. He's not going to get his guy sacked. And Yeah. You know? And he's going to call plays. Yeah. He gets the, the ball out of his quarterback's hand fast, right? Because those are the plays that were working. I mean, how many times did we see Mac flip the ball out to Brandon Bolden for big gains? I mean, he was doing that all day long because the Jets weren't defending that all day long. They were they were playing back, they were playing soft, just like they did last week, and they were just giving the Patriots everything they wanted underneath. Anytime he wanted a pass to Johnny Smith or Myers or or Hunter Henry, there seemed to be nobody within five yards of them. Um, I thought this was Mac's best game overall. I've watched a lot of Patriots this year. I thought he'd been kind of he'd been Good, not great to this point because he hadn't really been challenged. You know, he's he's a very accurate kid, so I think he, you know, if you give him enough time, I, I, he's thrown some nice balls, but he hasn't really been challenged from like a defensive scheme point. I don't think um, this is the first week where I watched Mac Jones and I was like, okay, this kid might actually have it. I would I would say um, this was a really good game for him. Uh, again, granted, it is against the Jets, in my opinion, that it's a little bit easier. I'd say his best game so far was against the Bucks. Uh, they were keeping up with the Bucks for a good amount of the game. Uh, he was super accurate. I think he had like 71% in that game, accuracy. Uh, and they have a great defense. So for him to actually you know, play as well as he did against the Bucks, even though it was a loss, and for us to still not have really the best offense, I mean, I think that was probably his best game. This was definitely a good game, but the, the Buccaneers game, I thought it was just crazy how well he played. Especially when you consider what the Buccaneers defense just did to another rookie in Justin Fields, right? The Bears got... Barely got a first down this week. So you know that that Buccaneers defense is legit, like you said, Johnny. So uh, that's a good point. That was a pretty impressive, even in a loss, that was a pretty impressive game for him as well, just hanging with that team for as long as they did deep into the fourth quarter. Didn't he compete, complete like 16 paths? He, he, he set some rookie record in that game too. So He tied Brady's record, I know that, which was 16, 16 consecutive passes in a row, I think it was. Yeah, he looked good in that game too. Yeah, I, I was really hoping for a win there, but, you know. As much as I love Brady, I, I, I still I'm a Patriots fan first, Brady fan second. So I think that's sort of the sentiment through for all New England fans, right? It's like we still love you. We got to root for our team over here, but don't worry, we still love you. I haven't met a Patriots fan who has any sort of animosity towards towards Brady at all. Really, as excited as they are about Mac Jones, I think to a man, they I think everyone would take Brady back. Yeah. Oh, 100. percent. I mean, the whole thing is what what Brady did for all of us. I mean, again nine appearances, six Super Bowls. Like, you can't not want him back. Um, it was a, you know, shitty situation in the end with him and Bill, and we just didn't have the offense for him, honestly. You know, the biggest thing that he has with the Bucks is he has a great defense, which the Patriots had, I think, as well. Uh, but he just has weapons. He has Gronk back. He has Evans. He has Godwin. I mean, I don't blame him for going there and getting another championship, you know? <laughs> What do you guys think that the future for this division is, maybe even from a, a Jets perspective? So you've got Buffalo, who's the class of the division today. Uh, I don't think anyone would argue that Josh Allen's the best quarterback in this division as we sit here on uh, October 26th, 2021. But obviously, Mac Jones has impressed some people. Um, people are still very high on Zach Wilson, especially in the Jets organization, even though we've only seen some flashes of it this year. I'm not personally a huge uh, Tua Vailoa guy, but if the Dolphins are going to go out and trade for Deshaun Watson, that kind of changes the landscape of the division a bit. Uh, we, I know the Jets are still in the basement of this AFC East right now, but is there any hope for them going forward? Is there any hope that they're at least the third best team in this division in the next 10 years? Because it looks like everyone's on the rise but us sometimes. Third, third best in the next ten years, I'll say maybe. <laughs> third best. Um, yeah, I mean the the thing with Miami is the is the Tua situation. I mean, if if uh, if they trade for Watson, I think they can be good pretty much immediately. Um, their defense hasn't played as well um, as was projected at the beginning of the year, so that's something. But uh, I I think I think Miami with a really good, competent veteran quarterback could be good. Um, the Patriots, 
I think um, I, I, you know, with this Mac Jones thing, I really feel like they are um, still kind of in the infancy of it. And like Johnny was saying, I mean, at this point, he doesn't have like any really impressive wins under his belt necessarily. But like, I think that that's coming. And I, and I, I do think Mac is, is really good. And also, um, you know, as much as I want to be mad about like the idea that the Patriots just like found another like Brady esque quarterback, like you do almost have to, I think, give give Belichick the credit on this because I, I just think, I don't think that Mac Jones would be playing as well if he was like on the jets or something like that. So, I mean, in terms of, uh, the jets chances, I mean, you do still, I hate to be the person on the pod jets podcast being like, well, you can, but they are, they are an extremely young team still. I mean, they're the youngest team in the league by far. Um, and half the defense is injured. <laughs> so, you know, if they, if, if, um, you know, if they are able to, get um if they're able to get uh Vinnie Curry and Lawson and 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 have you know M- Mosley was playing his ass off when he was healthy and and uh I think we were pretty impressed and we were pretty positive on the defense here uh in the in the early stages of this and the fact that they can you know hang around with teams like Tennessee is I think a positive sign um for the team going forward obviously this game was the worst of of every possible thing but um, I, I don't want to uh, totally overreact to it and just say like that we're just going to be in the basement for the next 10 years. Like if these players um, can blossom into real competent uh, NFL players and the team stays healthy, I, I think I could believe in Salah. And uh, I'm, I'm mostly after this week, I'm mostly down on Michael Floor. I, I'm not sure that he's ready to be an offensive play caller and, uh, and I, I just disliked every single aspect of the offensive game plan in this. Um, it's one thing that, you know, the Patriots are just the Patriots against this uh, decimated Jets defense. Yeah, they're going to put up a bunch of points. But uh, just from the word go, I don't understand Michael Flores game planning. But in terms of the future of the Jets organization, we're <laughs> here we are in week whatever it is, <laughs> week seven, and we're already writing off the year. Uh, but which we should, but I'm just saying it's, uh, that happened fast. <laughs> um, I, I think that you still have to think about these guys as really, really young guys and, and a first time coach and a first time offensive play caller and a rookie quarterback. And, um, I'm not, I'm not ready to totally, to totally dismiss it yet, but of course, what evidence have the Jets ever given us that this is heading in the right direction? You know, I mean, yeah, Jets Twitter has really turned on like the salad Douglas regime and I don't really understand that I mean I think Joe Douglas has done he can't control the injuries right I think Joe Douglas has been done a really great job so far making some smart signings you know not caving to guys like Jamal Adams when he's making sort of these ridiculous contract demands which was a good decision ultimately I mean the, the yeah, oh yeah the Adam the that that was a good that ended up being a good move and the Darnold thing ended up being a good move I, I mean I have more faith in Joe Douglas than I think a lot of the the backseat GMs on Jets Twitter, and I have a lot more faith in Salah just from what I've seen from the defense in the first four games. I'll say the last the last two games have been a little uh, bizarre in terms of they've kind of changed up the way they play defense. They 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 don't look fast anymore. They don't play man anymore. So I don't really understand it. And then they don't adjust when some of the softer zone schemes don't work. So, um, but yeah, like I agree, Kev. I'm not ready to throw in the towel on the the coach GM regime just yet. Yeah, I think um, when you're talking about in the next 10 years, I think they could easily be the third best team. I think I, I don't think Dolph, the Dolphins are really going to do anything. Uh, you know, um, I, I think they're going to do it more. The, the, the Jets are going to be kind of like the, the Browns. They're going to keep on sucking for a few years. They're going to keep on getting those, you know, first round draft picks, top five, top 10, whatever it might be. And then if they can just make one or two big trades, that's pretty much what the uh, the Browns did. They made the trades. They got Landry. They got OBJ, um, and now they're in business. You know, I think that's what it comes down to. They have they have they got Chubb in uh, and Hunt in um, in the draft. They have Hunt through a trade or through I guess through free agency. So I think that's what the Jets have to do. They have to keep on. Uh, really, you said ten years. I think that's easily attainable for them if they are going to keep on sucking for the next, like, three or four years. And I know that sounds stupid, but realistically, what is Baker in his fourth year, fifth year? And he didn't really get great until his, like, third or fourth year. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, that, and that's a good model to follow when you think about the Cleveland Browns because as much as people would love to redraft that Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson draft, right, as much as you wouldn't take those quarterbacks in that order and nobody would take Josh Rosen at all, 
if Zach Wilson turns out to be Baker Mayfield, you almost take that if you're the Jets. You hope that his ceiling's a little higher than Baker, but you almost would would sign up for that today. Oh, I would a hundred percent take them that for sure. Yeah. Um I think earlier on in the season we were kind of talking about um how, you know, Josh Allen in his first year was not the Josh Allen that we know and now he's kind of grown into this, you know, grown into the the person that he had grown into the quarterback that he is. Obviously the Bills have taken some losses here, but I still am, am high on, on them overall. But yeah, I, I mean I think it's tough because we've been through this kind of rebuilding treadmill thing over and over again. And so it's hard to sort, I think the distrust of like Sala and, and Douglas is kind of coming from this historical perspective that there's no way that this thing can get better. And, uh, and I just think I, 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 my opinion about this at this point is I really wish that they had had um, an experienced offensive coordinator, offensive mind in this scheme too. I think having these, like three different new pieces having kind of a new GM, new coach, rookie quarterback and new offensive coordinator. It's a lot of new things plus the team being incredibly young on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, it it I I just think, you know, kind of a similar idea to what we were talking about with having a veteran presence in the quarterback room like I do think that there there's something to be said for the idea of having experienced people around and, you know, kind of low-key i'm actually kind of happy that flacco is around now you know you can make all the jokes about him you want and and he's certainly not uh any kind of world-beating quarterback now but i like having like a an experienced offensive talent on the team like that and i think that that can actually really help i'm not ready to write them off yeah i'm definitely writing them off for this year for for obviously but uh in terms of like in terms of going forward you know, there's no way that they move that that the organization is gonna. That there's no way Douglas is on the hot seat at this point. In for you know, it, besides on Twitter, right? I mean, there's no way that that's happening. Um, I still like Sala, though. I'm not a fan of the way that the team has played in these last two weeks, obviously. But um, I like. I, I'm still up on Sala. I think he might be a good locker room presence and all that stuff. And he seems like uh, he seems like a guy who really gives a shit <laughs> and he's arguing with the refs and he's doing all this. He's arguing with the refs in a game. They're getting beat by, you know, by 30 points or whatever. Um, so I don't know, you know, I mean, I, 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 I think we haven't really touched on the Wilson injury yet. Um, but if he's only going to, it seems like, so it's two to four weeks is, is the projected amount, right? As far as I, as far as I've read. Yeah. They, yeah. They said he's looking at two to four weeks. He didn't really tear anything in that knee. It's concerning to me that Zach said after the game that he felt a pop. That's really good. Yeah. But the MRI didn't show any sort of complete tears or anything like that. So I would I would expect it to be on the longer end, just because I think that's usually how these injuries go. I would say it would probably be about four weeks exactly. That's my guess. But uh, and and listen, from the Jets' perspective, you're in no hurry, right? You're not going to rush Zach back before he's ready because you know you're not going to the playoffs this year. To what end would you be rushing him back? Um, and so, what's interesting is that in the paper, um, Sala was asked about the progression of Zach and, you know, losing these two to four weeks of reps, losing these two to four weeks of progression. And I think it was interesting what he said. Uh, Sala said uh, he disagrees that Zach is missing NFL experience because he says there's a lot to learn seeing the game through another quarterback's eyes, even, you know, watching the game from the sideline, he's learning that whole time. And I thought that was a good point as someone who, you know, has been adamant about the fact that I thought Zach should have been sitting and learning from day one. I think maybe this will end up helping him in the long run. Yeah. I mean, look at Joe Burrow, right? I mean, he, he, he starts out, he's playing great. Then he gets injured and it's like, Oh no, is this just going to be a thing that happens? And then look him now he's playing great. The team's better. And yeah, maybe he is better because of it. And unfortunately, being injured is part of the NFL experience often. So, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I mean, obviously, you hate to see it because I think not only do you just hate to see it in general, but, like, uh, he was sort of one of the uh, more attractive parts of watching any Jets football this year in general was just to see him play. And so, you know, losing that, like I say, I think in the short term, there's actually a possibility that the offense, like you were saying, even with Mike White, but I think with, with Flacco, I actually think that there's a possibility the offense could potentially improve slightly uh, in the short term, uh, having another quarterback in there. So I'm curious about that. Um, but yeah, obviously, 
uh, you hate to see Zach go down, but it somehow it, it seemed like it seemed like it was uh, it seemed like it was almost inevitable. So for it to be something where he's going to miss a few weeks, I think next week is next week they're playing. Is, is next week is on a Sunday? Because I know they have a Thursday. I believe yeah, so. I, and then I think the next the week after that is a Thursday. So he's not obviously not going to be back for that. They're not going to rush him back on a, on short rest. So. Uh, so he's definitely we're definitely missing him the next two weeks, I would imagine, right? So, so Johnny, from a Patriots fan perspective, obviously the Jets don't scare you. I don't think that's uh, out of line to say. But the spread on this game going in was seven points. Going into this game, did you feel that this was going to be as big of a blowout as it was? Or did you think this one might actually be close? See, so so seven is surprising. Again, I, I'm not a I'm not a big uh, spread guy. I don't really look at any of that stuff. So when you told me that earlier, I was like, oh, that's kind of shocking. I, I would have thought it would be more than that. Didn't think it was going to be you know 54 to 13, but I you know I thought it would be easily like a, a two possession game at least. You know, I didn't see it being a blowout like this. So again, granted, you guys had that injury happen to you, but yeah, that was pretty shocking to me. Um, I would like to say as well that. Um, Kendrick Bourne got more touchdowns than uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, he threw more touchdowns. Just uh, wanted to throw that out there that we have uh, better uh, better quarterbacks that aren't quarterbacks sometimes. <laughs> yeah, an, an interesting kind of kitchen sink move from Bill, who I think he's been calling, well, I don't know if it's this Belichick or, or McDaniels, but I, it looks like the Patriots have been calling more trick plays this year than I've seen them running maybe the last decade. This is like a kitchen sink season for them. They're like, all right, you know, nobody believes in us, right? We're only a 500 team. We want to make a dent in this AFC playoff picture. Let's just throw it all out there. And so we saw, we've seen multiple non-quarterbacks. So touchdowns this year for the Patriots. Kendrick Bourne is just the, the latest one. Jacoby Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all McDaniels. I'm pretty sure when it comes to the offense, Bill doesn't really touch anything on the offense. And realistically, the last 10 years, you didn't really need any of these trick plays. Um, we had a couple of them with Edelman. Edelman, I think, uh, threw four or five touchdowns over his career with us. But um, you really didn't need it. You had Brady, and Brady was kind of running that offense, and McDaniels was there as a helping hand for the most part, in my opinion. Now McDaniels is really running what he wants to run. He knows he has a rookie quarterback, so right off the bat that brings its own challenges. Kind of like what you were saying, Kevin, with your offensive coordinator. Um, you didn't like the this play scheme he was doing, but sometimes you got to do those simpler plans with a rookie or with a backup that doesn't know the, the game plan as well. So... I think they're just having fun with it, and they know they're not going to be a uh, a great team this year. But I mean, I'm that's I'm kind of looking forward to this season. So I, maybe we get in the playoffs, maybe we don't. If we don't, we get a better draft pick, and we keep on building up from there. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the number of qu- quick screens and dump offs that the Patriots ran against the Jets blitzes, it was really a masterclass from McDaniel's. Right? He seemed like no matter what the Jets did, that he had the answer. He had that it figured out ahead of time. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like whenever it's against the Jets, it's just a good, uh, it's a good practice game. You know, <laughs> it's a homecoming game. It's uh, one of those. Uh, it's one of those. Well, yeah, it's one of those um, uh, full pad scrimmages that they have. All you know, every now and then. I think that was Richard Seymour who said that, right? He, he wanted his retirement day to be Jets week, so yeah, it'd be homecoming. homecoming. Yeah. yeah, that that was just like an act, one more dig from uh, from Seymour, like he hasn't done enough to us. Yeah, that hurts, but it's true. Yeah, have they have the Patriots done Vince Wilfork retirement day yet? Because they should probably also schedule that on a on Jets week. Yeah, no, I, they haven't done Wilfork yet. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that all works when he's because Wilfork played on two teams because he was on the Texans for a good amount of years. So I think for like three or four years. So I still think he would technically retire as a Patriot. You know, they'd do like a homecoming kind of thing for for him. But I don't think they've done anything for him yet. <laughs> We usually every week we do sort of like a bright spot segment. Even the game they got shut out in in Denver, we're like, all right, who actually played well? <laughs> you should you should cut it in. You should cut it in as a segment. It'll be like the J E T S chant, and then we'll be like, we'll talk about the bright spots, and then there's just dead air, and then it just cuts back to that sound. <laughs> all right, we've covered that. Are, are they just replaying <laughs> a clip from Titans Week? Did he just say Tannehill? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say the lone bright spot from this game is Michael Carter, who we seem to talk about as the one of the lone bright spots every week. Michael Carter. Michael Carter. Yeah. One of his catch and passes. I think he had about eight targets in this game. Uh, he he looked pretty good on some of those handoffs. Like we, we talked about the running plays, not always his fault. 
but he's he's fighting. Um, he's he's shown real capability as a receiver. Yeah, I think if he was on another team, people would be picking him up in fantasy because <laughs> he'd be like, hey, "You should check out this Michael Carter dude. Like he's he's catching passes. He's running." Yeah, yeah. I own Michael Carter. I'm in a 12 man league. Oh, do you? And I've got about <laughs> I've got about uh, my, my first uh, three running backs are injured, and I'm in a 12 man league. So I do own Michael Carter. And I won this week with Michael Carter dropping 14 points. There you go. So he's my he's my lone jet. He's got to be the only jet that anybody owns in fantasy. Maybe short of like Corey Davis. A couple of people probably own Jamison Crowder, but it's really just Carter and friends on this offense at this point. My friend, uh, he also had Carter, but uh, he lost. So <laughs> uh, you can't win them all. I won because I had the Bucks defense. To be honest, I outscored the other guy's defense by about 25 points. <laughs> so shout out Justin Fields uh, for getting me a W this week. Wow, that was ugly. That was ugly in every way. Yeah, I I, I like Carter. I, I I'm I'm still not budging on the. Um, I don't like Michael Floor's uh, offensive <laughs> scheme point. I just uh, just 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 change it up a little bit. The 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 run like it's run run pass, and then you have Zach throwing on some crazy third down play where he gets sacked because it's it's incredibly predictable, right? They're just telegraphing everything, and again the offensive line which we've complained about before i actually thought was sort of passable in this game in some ways but like I, if you don't have anything if you can't if you have an offensive line that's that unreliable then you can't really fake the run you can't really do pa- play action or rpos which i think again i really feel like that would have helped zach out a little bit to have the defense on the heels even just like a little bit i know it's this is a not talking about a Bill Belichick coach defense necessarily, but any defense, just trying to get trying to get something else going. It's just such a vanilla ice cream <laughs> offense. It, it's just so it's it, they're just telegraphing everything, and and they can't uh, even on the the plays when I feel like they can move the ball. Um, it is often like a, a little bit of playmaking. You saw the little Zach Wilson shovel pass there. Uh, there was a nice um, elusive run by. Now I'm gonna. I can't remember who. The Elijah was. Moore had Elijah a good Moore, end around. Yeah. They're finally using him properly. Yeah. Yeah. Taking so, advantage of Elijah Moore's speed, which we they really haven't done so far this season. So that, that those are the way they're getting yards. I feel like as opposed to any kind of like scheme, you know, or any kind of like offensive game plan, it seems like these guys have to like pull yards out of their ass, you know, and that's not. That's uh, that's just uh, and uh, once again, I know young players, young coaching staff, young this, this but like I, I we're in week seven now and I feel like this offensive plan has pretty much been in place the entire time. And I just don't understand it. And they can't score and they can't move the ball at all in the first half still. And I don't I don't really understand. You talk about like the Patriots running trick plays or doing something. I don't know. Like, try something out like I, I like again we're not talking about a we're not talking about a team that's making the playoffs we're not talking about some contending team like obviously you want to protect zach as much as you can which by the way that doesn't include having um whoever it was who who did he have did he have elijah Moore? he had a wide receiver out there blocking on matthew judon on the play where he got hurt yeah that that might have been elijah moore they they ran a screenplay to crowder at some point they got blown up where elijah moore just just kind of looked at the guy running by him, didn't bother to throw a block, got Crowder killed. So Elijah's still got a lot to learn in terms of blocking schemes. I know he's a smaller speed guy, but... And and by the way, you know who actually can block, who's a wide receiver who's on the team, is Denzel Mims. Maybe put him out there if you're going to do any kind of blocking, or, or just put him out there in general. And uh, if we want to talk about a fault of... Doug- I'm still not out on Douglas, like I said, but this, the the tight end situation with the Jets is so abysmally bad and it doesn't have to be this way. There were people out there that they could have gotten. And when you are uh, talking about protecting a, a, a young quarterback, part of it is having decent blocking. If you're going to be running these screen passes and these short plays and, and you, you can't have Elijah Moore. Yeah, you and I you can't do it. You can't have Elijah Moore trying to block Judon. That's not a great idea. And it, and it's what it's part of the reason that he got hurt. I mean, you know, it's, it's football and whatever, but I that I just I don't know I I don't understand that uh, they they have two weeks to prepare for this game and there's really no reason that they should be getting that that stuff like that should be happening I I just don't understand it and I think that's part of the reason why this game only had a single digit spread is that the Jets were coming out of the bye so you figure okay they got blown out by the Patriots last time they'll study that tape they'll do some things differently and they really didn't do a whole lot differently um, I mean how much of a leash does Matt Amendola get our guy, right? 
he's missing he's missing some shorter kicks and he's missing some kicks badly to the point where it's leaving his foot and you're like oh that one's got no chance so I think it, Amendola and it's not just this game I think Amendola's having a bit of a a rough year we might want to convert him to punter full time he seems to be pretty yeah. good at that <laughs> uh, and not so yeah, good just I, I know, just move him over yeah yeah I, I and I know kickers in the NFL even the bad ones seem to have a long shelf life right even the even the the kickers everyone knows sucks kind of have like they bounce around a little bit. They the kickers kind of have that yeah. that way about them where I guess there's only so many humans on earth that can like perform this task with <laughs> any sort of competency. Like a, I think of a kicker like Randy Bullock comes to mind. Journeyman, he was on the Jets at some point. Randy Bullock's a guy that somehow like always has a job. I've never really understood it. And remember, Amendola beat out. Sam Ficken in training camp, and I thought Ficken was at least serviceable for the Jets last year. Yeah. He wasn't good. He was definitely a bottom half of the league kicker, but he was serviceable. Uh, so, I mean, it's like the curse of Jason Myers. Ever since Myers made the Pro Bowl with us and they refused to pay him, he ends up walking go to the Seahawks. It's been kicker roulette here for the Jets, and I don't think it's getting any better with Amendola. I don't know if we see Amendola here next year. Well, I think it's just a curse with you guys. Didn't you guys have Nick Folk at one point? We did. Nick Folk, doesn't he? The longest active streak in the NFL, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying, like, he's been doing well for the, the Patriots, you know? That's that's how it goes for the Jets, rinse and repeat. The the curse started when they drafted Mike Nugent in the first round. <laughs> I still I still will never get over that. <laughs> I don't. He wasn't a first-rounder, was he? It wasn't that bad. I, I swear that they drafted it. I think that that's true. Hold on. I know Nugent was, like, way <laughs> higher than you would ever draft a kicker. It was supp- I knew that. But I didn't think he was a first round, round two. pick. Round two. Round two. Pick okay, well, well, since since drafting a kicker in the second round that you probably <laughs> could have had in, in, in the sixth round. I mean, no offense to Mike Nugent, who is actually a pretty good kicker for the Jets, but and had you know had himself a nice little career with the Jets and the Bengals. But yeah, you don't draft kickers in the second round. You're right, that's probably where it all went downhill. Although if you remember, it's just some Jets history for you. Mike Nugent was drafted on the heels of the Doug Bryan era. So I think there was a little desperation there for the Jets brass at the yeah. time. With that, we 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 gotta get Brian out of here. We gotta <laughs> improve the kicking game. Let's guarantee we get this oh Nugent kid God. by drafting him about three hundred spots too early. Let's just turn this into a Mike Nugent podcast. That'll be more exciting. Mike Nugent Appreciation <laughs> Day. I think Mike Nugent's probably still in his forties. I think he. I think if they brought him in, he probably would be better than Matt Amendola. So I'm I'm about it. I'm on board. Yep. Prior to this week, I felt like Amendola was like he could hit, he could hit like forty something yarders and then miss extra points. But now he's missing the long ones too. So yeah, yeah. What's Nate Kading up to these days? Is he still a free agent? Is he still <laughs> hanging out? Jets legend. <laughs> he re- he really is the Jets, best. Jets, J- yeah, Jets by proxy legend. I still I still remember <laughs> his name. He's had more. Day. The Jets have uh, profited off of Nate Kading's Nate Kading. kicking career more than any kicker they've actually had on their own team. <laughs> I should get a Nate Kading jersey instead of the Matt Amendola jersey I was going to buy, which I didn't get. I should get a Mac Jones jersey, and I should start betting on the Patriots every week just to put like the Seth Whammy on them. <laughs> wow, ice cold. That's a that's a lot of that's a lot of commitment though. <laughs> Johnny, if you had to get any jersey from your your team currently right now, would it be Mac? Who would it be? Yeah, I don't, I don't even have a Mac Jones jersey yet. Nick Falk, just to stick it to us. Yeah. <laughs> See the whole thing is like this. I love I love getting a QB jersey. The, the biggest issue I have is like with Cam. I wanted to get his jersey really badly, but then he was a one and done kind of guy. Um, so I'm thinking if I was to get a new jersey, it'd probably be Chase Winovich. Uh, I like Winovich. I think he's going to be on the team for a while. I think he's he's a great player, and I mean I think he's just a, he'd be a fun person. I don't have many defensive players, so he'd be good to have. So I just got a, a push alert on my phone from ESPN, and the Patriots just cut Chase Winovich. I'm sorry to tell you, uh, it's not going to work out. <laughs> Why'd I go to my phone real quick? <laughs> don't fact check that. Nobody fact check that. Chase Winovich yeah. cut. I do, cut by New England. I do have a Brady uh, Buccaneers jersey though. I had to get it. The Super Bowl one. Had to do it. Champa Bay baby. I see the people have like the half. Half Patriots, half Bucks, Brady jerseys. That just seems confusing to me. I don't know. I feel like you have to pick a lane on that. Yeah, see, I couldn't do that. No, like if I'm going to a Patriots game, I so when the Patriots Buck game that actually happened on my birthday, I really wanted to go. My sister lives in Boston. I was really debating on going. Um, tickets were like six fifty for nosebleeds, though, so it was crazy yeah. expensive. Um, but if I was to go to the game, like 
I watched it at home and I wore a Patriots Brady yeah. jersey. You know, just do that. It shows right. I'm still a Patriots fan, yeah. but I support Brady. Right. And you didn't have to sit there in the yeah. you didn't have to sit through the rain. You might have made the right decision on that. <laughs> that looked like a miserable night. Nah, I, it would have been <laughs> worth it. I would have totally done it if I had the money. How many times did you see Brady live? Uh, three. Um, two times against the Jets. And actually, no, no, I'm sorry. Only twice. So it was supposed to be three. I um, I went to Foxborough. I actually got to see them play there in a preseason game. Super excited. It was against the Bears, I remember. It was the second week, so Brady's playing. He's going to play maybe like a quarter or whatever. And he, apparently, I don't know how true this is, but he didn't play because he had a knot in his shoe. And he tried to get it out with a scissor, and he cut his finger. So he did not play. I was so pissed. Oh, man. For, wow. The only thing that could wow. keep Brady from playing. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't get to see him in Foxborough play ever, which I wish I did. Uh, but I did get to see him against the Jets twice at uh, MetLife. Why do I think that that was like a, probably like a ball deflating injury? Like he accidentally stabbed his finger with the pin. And they were like, oh, no, it was a knife. It was it was a scissor. It was, he, it was a shoe. I don't know. That sounds, that sounds, that sounds fishy to me. Yeah, it's always funny how no one ever mentions the uh, the Giants Steelers game the year after that when uh, they had the deflated balls and literally I think Adele was just like, oh, it's because of the weather, and you know, <laughs> it, of course it didn't count though when when it happened to the Patriots, but you know that's cool. It did, yeah. Well, can I say one yeah, more thing about I'm that? Hold on. Out of it. Uh, I got I got I got a little bit more there. Um, yeah, let's legislate deflate gate. Go ahead, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep in mind this: since that happened, I don't know what the stats. I mean, Rogers had a great great year last year, but. Before last year, since that happened, because Rodgers even admitted that he likes to overinflate the balls. Because there's a certain amount they had to have. So they can't have it too deflated. They can't have it too overinflated. When that actually came through, if you looked at the stats, i got to find it again. But the stats for Rodgers for like the next three years were not that great um, with him having regular-sized balls as opposed to the overinflated ones. <laughs> While Brady still killed it. He still got touchdowns. He still got Super Bowls. So, I mean, really, was, was there a deflated ball? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just called science. I think we could say objectively that there was a deflated ball. The, the question is how much was – how intentional was it? How much did they know? Yeah. I don't think it was intentional. I, I, again, I understand you're not going to believe me because I'm, you know, I'm a fan of, of the team and of Brady, of course, but – he does play with it as low as it can be usually, um, and with the weather and everything like that. Like they've done tests, independent tests, all this different stuff, and a lot of people don't find it to actually be. Uh, and anyway, yeah, it doesn't find it to be. Yeah. Um, super uh, deflated uh, after the weather conditions and throwing the ball and catching it and all this different stuff. Yeah, the, to me, it was always like the the red herring on that was almost kind of like the fumble statistics, right? Because everyone always pointed out to the fact that oh, well, how come the Patriots never fumble because he's got that soft ball. It's easier to hang on to. And the defense to that was, well, they've got Bill Belichick, right? If you've got good coaching, a good coach is going to tell, you know, is going to enforce or preach ball security, right? And I always found that so ridiculous. That it's like, oh, yes, the Patriots never fumble because Bill tells them not to fumble. No coach has ever thought of that <laughs> before. It's, it's it's like the Yankee fan. Like, well, why do, why, how, why do you guys keep winning the World Series? Well, it's because they, they like winning. They just want it more. Like, oh, no, no team had thought of that. They, the Yankees just want it more than everybody else. Like, you you figured it out. I think that was kind of the same thing with the Patriots fumbles. It's like, I don't think they just never fumbled because Bill told them not to. Also, the Patriots, I mean, when it comes to Brady, at least, Brady has one of the quickest responses, you know, getting the ball out there. And he has great pocket presence. So whenever he's actually in the pocket, he knows where to move. He doesn't just stand there. So he hardly ever got – when he gets sacked, he's good at holding on to the ball. But still, he's usually pretty quick at getting it out there. Yeah, plus the, sometimes the refs will just make up rules. Or even when he does fumble the ball, they just make you know make up like a cool rule on the spot. It's just like it's not it's not a fumble. He was he was, he was thrown if, – if, if you tried to put it, the ball towards your stomach before it comes out, it's actually not a fumble. So <laughs> it's a great rule. I, I agree with it. <laughs> Listen, rules are rules. I can't argue with that. But you are good with them. You know what? Never mind. Right. <laughs> it's been an absolute uh, blast having you on, Johnny. We'll have to have you on again for Patriots Week next year. The, the next, the when they when they lose next year, yeah, we'll have you back on. <laughs> well, I, I remember. Uh, first off, I appreciate you guys having me. I remember you wanted me to originally come in here and try to convince you to be a Patriots fan. Uh, yeah, but I don't think there's much convincing I need. 
So, I mean, that's why I feel like you guys didn't even want to mention it to me, because there's not much I have to really do to convince you guys. It's not a tough sell. I wasn't sure if that was the segment we were doing or not, because remember you said that. You were like, we're going to have... We're going to have Art come on and tell us to be a Bills fan, and then we're going to have, like, so. The second it was 54-13, you're like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's the convincing right there. Yeah. The segment is Seth's a Bills fan now. He's completely jumped ship. Oh, yeah. Oh, I wish you could see us. Oh, Kevin's got the paper it. bag on. I love it. He's... It says, oh, damn it. It says just end the show, too. I spent so much time on this. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you and oh and it's a green marker too good job yeah right hit us up on twitter at just end the show if you want a custom paper bag made by kevin that's right pod swag give us your eye hole <laughs> measurements pod swag? and you'll get some you'll get some pod swag from us it's about time we get some money from this team right they can hear the rattling at least well wow, you guys are making official merch <laughs> yeah i'll i'll custom make it too if you want like certain players i can write it on the back like if you want to you know, if you want to custom Joe Flacco, I don't know what number he wear is going to wear, but I can do that. You know, they only cost a hundred dollars each, which I think is fair. So plus shipping. Yeah, we we didn't even really talk about that too much. I mean, welcome back, uh, Jets legend. <laughs> welcome back, Joe. <laughs> Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco. We probably could have just kept you on the team instead of you know what? Hey, whatever. <laughs> Let's go for it. Back back for back for more. Lo- he didn't win a single game last year, right? So he's due. <laughs> That's the way I'm looking at it. The Mike White era has officially begun, so <laughs> enjoy, if you can enjoy, the Jets and the Bengals next week. Enjoy all of the games on Sunday, everybody. We'll be back to break down the inevitable Jets-Bengals debacle. Do we know any Bengals fans that we'll have on the podcast? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know anyone who lives in Cincinnati? I don't know. Oh, I, my boss, where I work now, is a Bengals fan, but I don't think I'm not going to get him on the pod. I don't think he wants to come. <laughs> well, you know what they say: misery loves company. That's right, Kevin. Just end the show. Just end.